Welcome to the show they don't want you listening to. The one with all your rights and zero handcuffs. So sit back and stand, grab that chopped cheese while you wait for that six bus. Come on, let's be real. You know it ain't coming anytime soon. This is The Miranda Project. Welcome to The Project. I am your host, Manny. Happy to be with you on today, the celebration of Martin Luther King Day. In today's episode, we are going to introduce a new segment to the show titled My Opinion. Now, the title obviously says it all. I'm going to be giving you my opinion on topics that we will be discussing on the show. So, uh, you know, today's episode or today's show is going to be in regards to obviously Martin Luther King. So I'm going to give you in our first, my opinion, my opinion about the day and about what's going on today politically around Martin Luther King Day. And, you know, obviously it is my opinion and you have the right to agree and or disagree. That's the beauty of a country that we live in. You don't have to agree with everything that I say or anything at all that I say, or you can agree with it a hundred percent, totally up to you. But we want to start the show with giving you my opinion. And today our first opinion is about Martin Luther King. Now, one of the things that I, I want to discuss real quick, and I was having this conversation with my producer uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and we were talking about the fact that for some reason, it's like we have forgotten or it has been purposely forgotten that it is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was a reverend. He was a Christian reverend. So for some reason, somewhere down the line, we've forgotten that, or, or it has been forgotten, or they have just stopped mentioning it. You know, and we, everybody, I mean, it's just a beautiful day to be able to recognize the man that changed the, 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 the makeup of this country. I mean, everything that he did changed the makeup of this country. There, there's people today that have freedoms that didn't have them when he was out there marching, when he was out there protesting. And granted, you know, there are still people that feel that, that these freedoms are not yet equal to the freedoms of others. And again, that is a matter of opinion. I'm not going to go into arguing that. Is there work to be done? I think there is work to be done. Yes. Is it a hundred percent? No, nothing is ever a hundred percent. Nothing is perfect. There's nothing that's perfect. There is work to be done. There's still things that need to be taken care of. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But, you know, I, I look at where we are today. And I think back to myself, I think back in my history, I think back to, you know, me coming up, I, I think back to, to high school. You know, I, I went to Christopher Columbus High School in the Bronx. 
And by now, it's not even Christopher Columbus I, a High School. I know it's uh, Columbus Campus. If they even use Columbus because Columbus is now a pariah and and he's no longer the the person or the the persona that he was when we were growing up. And and, and you know, I, I I remember when I was in kindergarten. I mean, going a little bit further back, you 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 knew how he f- sailed in and how you know and what ships. Now the kids in that age group don't even know the names of those boats. And I think I mentioned that once before, but this is where we are because, you know, I don't want to get lost in that part of it, but he is, you know, obviously Columbus is no longer, he's a pariah, but anyways, and I go back to that. I go back to the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm in high school, you know, and I'm sitting in concert choir. And for those of you that if you are listening to the show and you remember or you are friends of mine and you remember, you know, concert choir. Uh, yes, I was a, you know, I was in the concert choir. I was, a, you know, as they say, what it's not a band geek, but I did sing in multiple choirs in school. And I remember being in concert choir and we were like a huge band of misfits man and and by misfits i say man we had everything we had everything dominicans puerto ricans uh uh, you know me myself i'm ecuadorian you know and again that's not nationalities that's not you know races but we had white people we had black people we had everything we had different countries we had we had it all and we could care less about his skin tone or my skin tone or that skin tone. We could care less. We were there together. We all had a great time. We all put our 100% to be able to perform in front of people, to perform in front of the school, to perform at concerts around the city of New York. This is what we did. And we could care less about, oh, he was black. Oh, he's, he's white. Oh, he's Chinese. Oh, we could care less. Yeah, we even had a Chinese guy in our, in, in, in our concert choir. I don't remember his name. I mean, because, you know, life happens and, 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 and I, I, you know, it, it makes you think of, of that, you know, that movie Grease that towards the other, that towards the end of the song or movie that they always say, we're going to be together forever. Yeah, life happens. It doesn't always work out that way, right? But I, 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 you know, I remember us all being together and we were all under direction of, of our, our teacher, our instructor, a, a, a man that just loved music so much. And I attribute, I attribute him saving me personally because I, you know, I, I think about the path that I was in when I came across his classroom and he showed me the love of music that I, really fell in love with music at that point and i think music and and his tutelage and what he did for me saved me saved my life you know this this is the you know this is what where where i i really you know i i really i can go back to that and i can just remember the fact that that's where my life turned around because i was going down a a dark dark road but you know and and i just think about everything and everybody 
and how we all got together and how we all sang in one voice, in one unifying voice. I remember a particular concert that we sang at where we, we the, 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 the Bronx was named the number one multicultural, or, or I think it was multicultural or something like that. It was, it was just, it was like the Bronx was the melting pot of the world. We had everything every nationality everything everything was in the bronx and and we all lived harmoniously we all lived together and yeah were there disagreements absolutely everybody has disagreements were there issues yeah absolutely were there issues was there racism yes absolutely there was racism come on that doesn't go away it never has gone away and we we we're going to continue to strive and get better and 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 try to defeat the fact that people's preconceptions or, or 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 they're born with not born with it but they're 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 indoctrinated by it or you know there's someone in their household that is grown up to 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 teach them these things you know and this is it, it this is the things i remember going into theology school uh not even theology well it was theology school but i remember going into uh my new testament class and the professor sat, sat us all down and he told us okay now, I, what I want you guys to do is as we're getting ready to learn the New Testament and we're going to talk about all of the things that we are seeing here in the New Testament, I want you to get rid of the preconceptions that you have, the things that you have been taught from birth, the things that you think you know about the word. Let it go because we're going to learn something completely new. And, and, and why do I bring that up? It's because we all come with some kind of baggage. We all come with some kind of preconception about the other race. We all come with something. And it's, it was just insane to see all of us just getting together and just singing in one voice tenors and altos and sopranos and, and, and baritones and, and basses. I mean, all together in one voice, singing our hearts away under the, right, under the direction of our, prof, our teacher, a Jewish man by the name of Dr. Dzik. I mean, again, he's, he's in a classroom in the Bronx teaching a bunch of misfits. And you know what? We could care less who, how, religion, none of that. We didn't care. We didn't care. We had no qualms about it. Times have changed. They really have. Times have changed. I, like I said, I, 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 um, you know, I give him, Dr. Dizek, so much credit and a lot of the teachers in, in Christopher Columbus High School so much credit for what they did in my life. The reason I say that is because their message to me when I was there was you can do whatever you want. You can shoot for the stars. You have the ability to do and become whatever you want to become in this country. For some reason, somehow, that message has changed. That, and this is my opinion. For some reason, that, opinion, that, that message has changed. Is it teachers? I don't think it's not a lot of teachers. Is it a school board? I think it's probably more of the school boards. Let's be careful because the FBI might investigate and, and classify me as a terrorist. But it, it, it's changed. 
that message has changed to people of 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 my minority you know or, or, or me being a minority to, to people you know that message of you can do whatever you want to do i think it's changed to you can do whatever you want to do but just be make, be mindful that there's someone that's on top of you that there's someone that is going to hold you down because you aren't white they're white and they are above you they're better than you in not so many words right and 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 kind of in that in that way and it, it kind of speaking to that why do i bring that up today because we all know the reverend martin luther king and his i had a dream speech we all know it and we were the living embodiment of it the bronx new york city so many different states in this country this country period whether you want to believe it or not is an embodiment of that he changed the landscape of this country is there work to be done yes can it be done yes will it be done yes do we need to stop with this mentality of, uh, of supremacy and 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 um What's the other terminology now that they like to use? Do you have the white supremacist who, oh, yeah, I mean, do they exist? There probably is some kind of a small group. Uh, who knows? I'm, I don't, I, you know, I don't follow them. And, it, it, and to, them, to their credit, get with the times, man, for real. Get, get with the times. Like, like, stop with the nonsense. You know, the, the systemic racism that they like to go and paint and say that, yeah, that they, you know what? We're, we're going to talk a little bit further about that. In the show, but you know, this is where the messaging is now. We've gone away from shoot for the stars, we've gone away from you can do whatever you want to do, we've gone completely away from that, and we've gone into a messaging where we tell our children that you are less than because you're Hispanic, you are less than because you are black. This is what we're teaching our children. I don't recall that when I was growing up. I recall all of us being unified in one voice, singing the Hallelujah Chorus, singing Mozart's Requiem in, in, in different venues, and all of us singing together happily from all the different nations that we were together. That was Martin Luther King's dream. That, that's what it was, not this nonsense that we're dealing with today. His dream was for all of us to be together in one unified voice. And for some reason, now we're not in a unified voice. For some odd reason, that message changed, and now we're singular voices. And we're trying to hold each other down or make each other Oh, this one's better than this one, or this one's better than this one. Oh, no, this or that, or all the nonsense, nonsense that's being spewed. It's, it's truly sad because the Reverend, he, he, he wouldn't, he, if he was alive today, he would not like what he sees of this country today on both sides. On both sides. We need to fix it. We need to work at it. Like, 
for real because our generation is doomed. This country is doomed if we don't get back to being that happy-go-lucky group of kids singing the hallelujah chorus under direct under the direction of our uh, of our leader and it was called and singing our hearts out in one unifying voice many voices all together just singing our hearts out but being that one singular voice it didn't matter where we came from it didn't what mattered was that we were together and we had a great time and each and every one of us got something out of that and we've all gone in different directions and we're all gone and done different things and we've all gone and led our lives but we can all go back to that time and remember that group of misfits under the direction of Dr. Dzik singing Mozart's Requiem singing the hallelujah chorus and so many other songs and not caring that my neighbor is black and my neighbor is white. Just caring that we're together and we're doing this and we're having a blast. And it's, and we've lost our way. We are no longer there. And it's sad to say that this is where we are. And we hope, we truly hope that we can fix it and get back to what the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King really wanted for this country. Not what we're going through now, but what we had then, and obviously continue to fix that. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get there. Hopefully we'll get there. Nothing is perfect. Everything needs work. The only thing that's perfect is God. And we're nowhere near being God. So, again, that's my opinion. Uh, you are more than welcome to agree or disagree. And if there's anyone from the concert choir days, <laughs> uh, you can uh, definitely, you know, hit me up and say, hey, yeah, I remember all that stuff. So, but we wanted to talk about civil rights and how uh, the civil rights movement has been hijacked by those that are in power right now, by the Democratic Party, by our president and by our vice president. And we wanted to basically, you know, after the My Opinion segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. And you're probably like, what are you talking about? They've hijacked it. I, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we'll basically go into what I mean after these words. We want to thank our friends over at Instacart. Uh, check them out, instacart.com. I've mentioned them before uh, plenty of times. You know, they are uh, an awesome company that you can basically get your groceries delivered to your door within an hour. And, you know, whatever it is that you may need and they shop for you. And it's like you basically going out and shopping for the things that you need without leaving the comfort of your home. You know, you, you basically go on your app and you do you shop from there. You get uh, qualifying offers that can help you save money. You, you get uh, deals right on the app as well that can help you save money. They offer you different things that, you know, based on what you're shopping that also can introduce you to newer things. 
So it's like you are going out and shopping for yourself and also introducing yourself to new things. So check them out on instacart.com. Uh, Instacart will also like to let EBT snap um, recipients know that their March 31st deadline, I mean, they've re- not deadline, they've increased the time to March 31st as the deadline for them to save on any order over $35 and they can receive free shipping. So if you have EBT and Snap, you can go on instacart.com, place an order for above, you know, for $35 and more and save on shipping or delivery. It'll be a free delivery. Check them out again, instacart.com. Check on our show notes, click on the link in our show notes, let instacart know that we sent you you can do the same thing on our website the miranda project projectprojct.com click on the link on the website and let instacart know we sent you thank you instacart so as i was saying the hijacking of the civil rights movement and you're probably like what are you talking about hijacking of the civil rights movement i found this article on um Fox News, which is pretty interesting. Uh, the title of it is Civil Rights Leader Rips Biden-Harris Progressive um, Progressives Hijacked the Rich Legacy of Our Movement. This is uh, by Charles Kreitz. Uh, it, it's, it's really damning to hear um, what this man has to say. Uh, Philadelphia-born civil rights leader Bob Woodson criticized President Biden Vice President Kamala Harris and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party for hijacking the movement that helped lead in the 1960s. You see, he, I mean, and we're going to post this article on our, on um, our website and obviously on Facebook as well, so that you can take a read. And there's a uh, video embedded as well with the interview from this, um, from Bob Woodson in regards to that. But, you know, he, Woodson told uh, the Ingram angle on Friday that the election federalization bill named after fellow civil rights leader John Lewis is not about civil rights or the betterment of the black community as biden and others claim now it's crazy because we were mentioning uh you know we were talking about this um election bill and uh what this change in election law looks like in new york and is that basically what is going to take place federally because, you know, like, like we said, and I believe the title of that show is, is New York city, the guinea pig for, you know, because they just signed into law here in New York, New York city, that 800,000 residents of the country, I mean, not the country of the city, sorry, can vote in local elections. And all they have as a minimum is that they uh, can show proof of residency for 30 days. But again, the, 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 that, that's just one part of it, you know, and, and we, we, we showed that and we said, is that, is that what's going to end up happening? Is that the direction that we're going in? You know, we, we don't know. But one of the other things that is really centered around this is voter, voter ID or 
lack thereof voter ID. You see, for I, and I've said it before in, in previous episodes, and, and I said it in local matters. I've been voting in elections since I was 18 years old. I have never been turned away from an election. I've never been told that I can't vote. Never. I've always gone to wherever it is that I needed to go in my district and from wherever it was that I was living at the time. And I would always go and vote, showed my ID and voted. Never had a problem. Never was, I mean, I was never turned away. Oh no, you're Hispanic. You're, you're Spanish. No, you, you can't vote. Sorry, leave. No, no, that never happened to me. And I know that it's never happened to many of the people that I know that are black or Hispanic or whatnot. That's never a case. I've always gone and showed my ID and I've always signed and they've always looked to match up, you know, the signature that I have in my registry because I have a rather funky signature. It's funny because my father always taught me the funkier your signature is, the, the, the harder it is to, you know, um, what's the, what's the word, uh, to, for somebody to steal it you know, um, forge it. That's the word I'm looking for, but I've never been turned away. Never. And I voted in many elections, local and uh, federal. I've never been turned away, but according to the Biden Harris administration, I've been turned away. I've been told that I can't vote because I'm Hispanic. I've been told according to them, that this is why they want to push this um, voting, I mean, excuse me, voting bill. According to them, I've been turned away. I've been, you know, people of, 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 of my persuasion, if you must, and it's just, just black and Hispanic people have been turned away. They're told, they're being told that they can't vote or they have to wait in long lines or, or, or whatever the case may be. You know, <laughs> I've stood in line to vote. I've stood in line at the DMV. I've stood in line at the federal building. Any huge bureaucracy, whether it's, like I said, the DMV, uh, 26 Federal Plaza in New York City. Um, I don't know if you've ever been, but man, the lines, ridiculous. Anything that has some kind of bureaucratic paper and pen or pushing of paper and pen is going to take time. I don't know if you've ever gone to your county clerk or your county clerk's office. It's never a, what's it called, a one, two, three thing. It's always, uh, you, you have to separate time in order to, for you to go and do what you have to do, whether whatever kind of county business it is that you have to do at a county clerk's office. It's never a one, two, three. Why are they making it seem like voting should be a one, two, three thing? It's not. It's not. It, it, it takes time because you have to make sure you do it right. You have to make sure. I mean, this is important. Voting is important. And, it, and like we said in our previous episode, local elections matter. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into that. But local elections matter. 
This stuff matters. And now they're hijacking it by saying it's a civil rights movement. It, they're saying that people that are um, are black or Hispanic are being told that because they can't get IDs, they can't vote. I'm sorry. You know what? I've had an ID since I was 16 years old. 16. I went and got me my ID at 16, a non-driver's ID at 16, walked into the DMV by myself and walked up to the thing, filled out the paperwork and got me a non-driver's ID since I was 16 years old. You're going to tell me that I can't get an ID. You're going to tell me that people that are black or Hispanic can't get an ID. Uh, please, please stop. Please, please. That's, that's utter nonsense. Oh, no, because they speak Spanish. The applications are also in Spanish. Oh, no, because usually, uh, you know, they're, they're underserviced in the schools. They probably don't know how to read. Now, whose fault is that? Who, who runs the public school systems? Whose fault is that, if that's the case? Uh, I'm just wondering. But what, 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 what do I know? I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just a guy talking into a microphone, right? It, you know, it, it's sad to say that you have these people come over here and telling you and me that because we're black or Hispanic, we can't get an ID. I, like I said, I've had an ID since I was 16 years old. I've been able to vote in the elections that I've wanted to vote since I was 18 years old. So don't come over here and tell me that you're doing me a favor by this, passing this or, or hijacking. The, the you know the civil rights movement by passing this this debacle uh, of an election law that you guys are trying to pass please because it's not the case it, it, he goes on to say it's part of the whole process that progressives have hijacked the rich legacy of the civil rights movement and really using it as a bludgeon against the country said woodson after arroyo asked if harris was equating the United States with communist China. I don't know. I don't know. I'm telling you. He goes on. The election federalization bill named after Lewis, which has been stymied by moderate Democrat adverse to abolishing the filibuster precedent, is nowhere near the top of the black community's collective priorities, he continued. I mean, I'm sorry. I know plenty black people. I know plenty Hispanic people, obviously. And ain't nobody worried about this. Nobody. You know what they're worried about? They're worried about their safety. They're worried about relations with the police department. That, that's what they're worried about. You know, they understand that they need to have the police department in their neighborhoods. But they want to make sure that they have better relations, community relations with the police department so that there isn't any issues when a black man is stopped and, and there's questions and, you know, the wrong thing happens. Or there isn't another George Floyd incident where someone takes the, their, their, their use of force to the extreme and takes a black man's life. That's what these people are worried about. That's what we're worried about. That's what the, we're not worried about this. And, and he goes, I mean, he's 100% spot on. 
Illinois, you'll find your fringe that say, yeah, I'm worried about that. And I'm also worried about this. And no, no, please come, come, come to the South Bronx, come to the South Bronx and ask if that's what a, a, a mom with her three, four kids is worried about. She's worried about this John Lewis uh, um, voting law. Or is she worried about the fact that her kids live in a dangerous neighborhood and she wants to make sure that her kids get to school safely and she wants a little bit more police presence? Please. I I'm sure it's going to be the latter. 100%. He goes on. They're talking about voting rights as the most important issue to black America, he said. That's not true. It may be for some elites who profit from it. Didn't I just say that? But every five minutes of every day a child is shot in America and four times that number of those children are black, he said, of crime waves in cities, including his hometown. Some of these same murders and are occurring in cities that have been run by black politicians over the last 50 years. Woodson added, if racism were the sole culprit, then why are black failing in institutions run by their own people? Why are they failing in political systems where all the control is in the hands of black politicians? I, I, you know, that's an interesting question. It really is an interesting question. Because he, he goes on to just reiterate the fact. And yeah, I read the article beforehand. So I knew what I was talking about and leading you into what I, you know, into that point. I, yeah, I know. But it, it just speaks to that. These people, are, this is what they're concerned about. They're not concerned about voting laws. Yeah, it's important. And, and we all need to make sure that we have the correct voting laws in place to make it Easier to vote, harder to cheat. Bottom line. That's it. Easier to vote, harder to cheat. That's what I care about. And that's what these people care about. But right now, in all reality, what they care about is their safety, their children's safety. That's what they care about. Because look at that. Those numbers are staggering. Staggering. Do I need to repeat that? He said... It may be for some, some elites who profit from it. And he's talking about the voting laws. But every five minutes of every day, a child is shot in America. And four times that number of those children are black. I'm telling you. I am telling you. This is what these people care about. This is what they care about. They don't care. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's important. Again, I'm not saying that voting is not important. Please, I'm telling you, I've said it. I had a whole show on how important voting is. But mom in the South Bronx or in Chicago or in L.A. or in some places in Miami, or it, they don't care about this. They don't care about this hijack. They don't. They care about the fact that their children have to go to school in some of these harsh neighborhoods that have been ignored, that have been, I mean, just ignored is just the proper term for it. And, and, and again, the craziest thing about it is that 
what he says is so telling. Some of these same murders and, and I just have to repeat it. Some of these same murders and I mean, are occurring in cities that have been run by black politicians over the past 50 years. That's powerful, man. And that's scary. No, no, you're making that up. No, you, you're making that up. He's making that up. You, you just added that. That's not true. That's not true. It, 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 you, don't, you don't believe me? I found this article, which is really interesting in the New York Post. Um, the, it's titled, Cracking the Case of the Woke Prosecutor. And you know, it, it, segment, it segues purpose, perfectly from what we were talking about, hijacking the, um, the election or the election laws and into what the Black American, the Hispanic American, the Asian American really cares about. Because we all care about it. It doesn't matter doesn't matter who it is even white america please come on let's let's be 100 percent real let, let, let's go back to the to the my opinion segment and let's just sing in harmony here cracking the case of the woke prosecutor and you know we've been talking about the da brag and we're going to get into him in a little bit, but it basically continues to speak about this. One of the most puzzling conundrums about progressive prosecutors who favor deprosecution and decarceration is to ascertain their motivations. And this is an article, again, uh, the name of the article, and we're going to post it on, on our website, and we're going to post it on our, on our um, Facebook page as well, and uh, Twitter, and so on, is Cracking the Case of the Woke Prosecutor by Tom Hogan. What are, he goes, what are the elected chief prosecutors thinking when they unilaterally decide not to enforce the law and why even as murders increase in big cities they police do they continue to support these policies without shame he asks are they racist one of the big arguments from the left today is that desperate um this sorry this disparate impact and I said it right the first time and I had to correct myself. I don't know why is an of itself an indication of racism. If your African-American children are graduating high school, for instance, the system must be racist. Hmm. I guess is, is th that's basically what they're saying. Okay. Do you agree with that? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I personally don't agree with it, but. Again, that's my opinion. You have yours. Now, let's consider Philly. He goes into this. Well, in Philadelphia, homicides have exploded from a low of 248 murders in, 200, in 2014 to 562 killings in 2020, a new all-time record. The victims of this violence are almost entirely people of color living in the poorest sections of the city in 2020 more than 85 percent of the homicide victims in philadelphia were black progressive prosecutor larry krasner is overseeing policies and programs that are corresponding with the deaths of hundreds of people of color every year from children to young men to the elderly 
All evidence suggests Krasner does not care or he would change his policies. Right? Doesn't that sound a little familiar with what's going beginning to happen in New York? I mean, but that's Philadelphia. That and and, and that's the um that is Larry Krasner. He's a, a, a district attorney over in Philadelphia. Hmm. Same policies that Mr. Bragg has. He asks, are they fiscally responsible? Did we, do you know that the cost of solving a homicide and, convinced, and convicting a guilty party is enormous? He goes on to say, it says it estimates in all, or the whole cost to, from everything. So the trial, everything, the incarceration, it ranges to $8 million to $17 million per case. So are they saving the city money? Because it, he goes on and he talks about the, the prosecutor in Chicago and how she has been the same way, not prosecuting the crimes that are going on in Chicago. And, I, and I'm sorry, but Chicago is, I mean, bananas. Chicago recorded 770 770 homicides in 2020. This was the year that she was elected, the, the DA, um, Kim Fox. And then in 2021, when she was reelected, 800 homicides. Is, is she saving Chicago money? Is that what she's doing? Is she trying to be fiscally, fiscally responsible and saving people, you know, saving the city of Chicago money instead of going after these criminals and, and, and prosecuting them for, to the full extent of the law? Is that, is that what this is about? Be damned, be the lives of these young men and women that are losing their lives, you know, and, and again, women, men and women, children and elderly. Of color. Of color. He goes on and he asks, are they insane? A popular, and, and I'm sure you've all heard this before. A popular definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. The um, Baltimore, and she, they go into the prosecutor in Baltimore, who's being indicted for on federal charges. Rather interesting. Um, Marilyn Mosby. Now, you know, her state, Baltimore, I mean, her city in Baltimore, they've, again, they've gone up from 211 homicides in 2014 to, um, you know, a very high number in uh, over 300. And it's been like 300 per year since she's been um, the prosecutor there. And then in 2020, for some reason, Baltimore took a dip. And she goes on to say, hey, uh, the rest of America should look at Baltimore to see what we're doing right here because our homicide numbers have taken a small dive. So look at us, which we took a small dive. I mean, we've been averaging 300 per year, but 2020, we took a small bit of a dive. So we're doing something right here. Hmm. Okay. If you say so. But again, like I said, she's being investigated for something, um, uh, for some federal charges. And then let's not even talk about uh, what's going on in, in St. Louis. I mean, you know, he goes on to ask in the article, are they anarchists? Perhaps these prosecutors are letting large swaths of poor populations get killed and failing to convict 
perpetrators of crimes because they crave disorder. Doesn't that sound familiar as to something I said? What did I call controlled chaos? Doesn't it sound somewhat like that? Controlled chaos? St. Louis prosecutor Kim Gardner supplies evidence for this. See, and this is what he says in the article. Since Gardner was elected as a pro- on a progressive platform as the St. Louis Circuit Attorney in 2016, she has vigorously, excuse me, vigorously deprosecuted misdemeanor and felonies in 2019. She prosecuted only 1641 of the 7045 felony prosecutors prosecutions the city police department sought. Hmm, interesting. Does that sound like uh, a little bit of uh, anarchy? I mean, to see it burn, it it, it reminds me of, uh, what's it called? Batman, my favorite Batman, as a matter of fact, um, The Dark Knight, where Alfred tells Batman, um, you know, some people, it's not about the money for some people. Some people just like to see it burn. They just like to see the city burn. When they were talking and making a reference to to the Joker. Now I want to go see that movie again. (sighs) After I finish this, I'll probably go watch it. (laughs) But, you know, uh, on a serious note, there has been more than 100% turnover in that office. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the turnover real quick because we're going to get into our, our, our lovely DA in Manhattan shortly. Her most recent gaffe, and this is, again, we're talking about Kim Gardner, was virtually inconceivable for a a competent prosecutor when a prosecutor assigned to a homicide case was out on maternity leave. Gardner failed to appoint another one to handle the prosecution, um, the prosecution leading to multiple failures to appear for hearings related to the case and the ultimate dismissal of a homicide charge. The person just walked. Because she didn't do her job and assign a prosecutor who to a case because someone was on maternity leave. I mean, she basically just abandoned her duties. It, it just is this is this where is this where New York is headed now? It's happening all across the country. We're not even talking L.A. He doesn't even go into L.A. Because, I mean, there, I don't know if any of you have seen the pictures of what's going on in the railways in L.A. Because uh, the, Mr. Cardona, I believe his name is, the, 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 the prosecutor there is failing to, to do his job there and prosecute the crimes that are going on over there. I don't know if you've seen the pictures. If you've not, then what we'll do is that we'll also share that on our website and on our, on our Facebook page so that you can see what it looks like on the railways and how these criminals are basically r- rampaging or rampaging uh, the 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 um storage carts or the railway carts that are making deliveries if 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 we're already having an issue with with the fact that you can't get a delivery on time can you imagine after you see that this is this is amazing pity the american cities failing to see that these prosecutors are a cancer eating away at their own hosts This is what is being brought here or we brought here. And not me. I can't say me because I didn't vote for him. But there were people that voted for him. 
Alvin Bragg is threatening to bring this circus of ineptitude to Manhattan, and the Big Apple is justifiably concerned. This is, this is, this is scary. Very scary. And you know what, what, what ended up happening? Talking about Alvin Bragg, DEA Alvin Bragg, who has brought this type of not justice, quote unquote, in my opinion, non-justice to the city of New York, to Manhattan, more specifically. You know how many prosecutors have walked away? They have basically said, no, we are, we're not going to work for you. We're not. I'm not going to work for you in this kind of, of an environment, in this kind of situation. If you're not going to allow me to do my job, I'm here to prosecute crime. And you're basically telling me not to do it. So I'm going to walk. I'm going to leave. And there have been people, and we'll post the article as well, uh, so that you can see that there have been people that have just basically stepped. They said, goodbye. I, I'm, I can't work under these conditions. And they've left. They've already put in their papers. Goodbye. You know what it is to walk away from DA's office as a prosecutor, a lawyer, just to basically say, peace, I'm out. Drop the mic. I'm done. I, I can't deal with this nonsense. I'm out. Can you imagine? I'm telling you. This is where we are. This is, this is, this is where we are. Uh, un, un, unbelievable. But, oh, oh, you, you know, and it's always fun to do it. It's always, I mean, there's always got to be a foil. If you don't know what a foil is, I'll give you a quick example of what a foil is. You had President Trump, who uh, many people believe was mismanaging and, and, and the way that he was doing his press conferences and everything. And, and, and when it came to Corona and, and how he spoke and, and, and just his bravado and his way, it, it didn't fall right with people. And then you had the foil. You had Governor Cuomo who spoke to you like this and explained everything to nauseam and told you that everything was going to be all right and so on and so forth. And people loved the style and they felt that he was a better leader because he explained everything thoroughly versus the bravado of President Trump and, 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 and the way that he spoke and, and, and how he repeated things and huge and this and just the fact that they didn't like him. And I mean, listen, there's your foil. So we're going to do a little bit of a foil too. Here's, here's your foil. Meanwhile, while we're dealing, and you got all these other cities dealing with all this craziness, and, and, and now the DA Bragg is coming here to Manhattan and he's bringing the same thing here. Here's your foil. Virginia's new attorney general has just fired the entire civil rights division in the AG office and announced that he will prosecute criminal cases in jurisdictions where Soros DAs declined to prosecute. He is also the first person of color attorney general in Virginia's history. And I'm going to, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that. Because it says he's the first person of color attorney general. And I'm going to fix it. He's the first Cuban-born American. No, excuse me. Not, no, sorry. No. Cuban-born attorney general to take office in Virginia. Oh, but wait, no. How can, how's that possible, systemic racism? How is he an attorney general? He's Cuban. How? 
Spanish people, they don't know the language. They can't read. They can't get IDs. How's that possible? There's your foil. While you have major cities basically burning. And, and by burning, I mean, I'm exaggerating, of course, with the decisions that they've made when it comes to these prosecutors and the fact that crime has spiked and the, and the deaths have spiked in, in, in the poor neighborhoods. Just like, just like Mr. Woodson said in the, in the article that we began the, the, the whole thing with. He said, this is run, these are cities run by black politicians that are suffering the way that they are but they want to put this law to make it easier for people to vote or instead of really attacking the issue here which is the safety of black america the safety of hispanic america the safety of asian america that's what really needs to be taken care of here that's what we really need to pay attention too yeah and that that means also from you know people that have the badge that take the badge to head you know it's crazy because we you know and and i want to close with this we uh we bring it back to reverend martin luther king jr we bring it back to him because i i literally just had a conversation with my pastor my producer and i we had a conversation with our pastor and we said Hey, uh, pastor, senior pastor, do you believe that if Martin Luther King was alive today, he would be thrilled or happy with the amount of violence that has taken place under his name? Our pastor looked at us and he said, no, I don't think he would be at all. Not at all. Don't get me wrong. If a situation like George Floyd took place, which obviously it did, but if let me reiterate it when that took place. And if he was still alive, you best believe Reverend King would be in Seattle, locking arms, protesting the unjustifiable death of George Floyd. Absolutely. He would be there, but let me get, let me, let me tell you this. He would not agree with this BLM thing. You see, he was a reverend, a Christian reverend. Christian priest. I mean, sorry, pastor. There's a, there's a bit of a difference. Priest, Catholic, pastor, Christian, denominationally, whatever. Uh, but he would not agree with the, the violence that is being portrayed under his name. He wouldn't. He would not. He would not agree with the fact that they've mischaracterized or taken his words out of context. A riot is the language of the unheard. And that's powerful. But I heard that a lot this year or last year. I heard that. I kept hearing it. I kept hearing it. And that, those words have been taken completely out of context. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, riots are the voice of the unheard. This is a quote, like I said, that I've, we've heard over and over, uh, you know, last year um, over the riots, uh, 
you know, pertaining to um, Mr. George Floyd, which which meant we mentioned tragic event, right? That, but that, like I said, that this quote has been completely taken out of context. Again, riots are the voice of the unheard. It was, he was not condoning riots, but he was warning the government: if you continue to ignore our rightful demands, some will inevitably take the issue into their own hides. Excuse me, hands. See, in that speech, he emphasized his support for nonviolent tactics in the struggle for freedom and justice and expressed his disapproval for riots, referring to them as socially destructive. So as they went and they, they, they justified their actions, they basically socially destroyed themselves. And this is what Dr. King is talking about. And this is what our pastor was emphasizing. You see, he would not agree with what we see today. Would he be locking hands like we said peacefully? Yeah, absolutely. Man, I would be there too. He wouldn't agree with what we see today, what's going on today. He would be fighting for these cities, for, for the safety of black America, for the safety of Hispanic America, for the safety of Asian America. He would be fighting for all of them to see them out of these poor conditions, to see them out of the, 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 just the state that they're in where you have these prosecutors basically allowing them to burn. He wouldn't stand for that. And again, my opinion, I don't know where he would be, but again, I, I just, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, being who he was, would not be all for this John Lewis voting law that they're trying to push and hijack with their, the, uh, the civil rights movement with. He would be there fighting for the boys and girls of Chicago. He would be there fighting for the boys and girls of New York City. He would be there in St. Louis fighting for those boys and girls. He would be in those cities that need for us to be paying attention to them. Where the crime is skyrocketing because something is wrong within black America, within Hispanic America. And it's not systemic. Because that's automatically what they're going to point at. They're going to say, oh, no, it's systemic racism. No. Something needs to change. Let's stop these people that are telling you that they're doing good for you when they really aren't doing anything good for you, but they're really the ones that are holding you back, holding you down, putting that neck on your, on, on, I mean, that boot on your neck like they say that others are doing and they're here to help you. And that's the harsh reality. And that's why I, that's what I think the, that he would be doing, Dr. Martin Luther King. I could be wrong. But again, this is my opinion, and I know I gave it at the beginning of the show. But that's where we stand. Thank you once again for joining us on the project. Um, you know, check us out on our website, the Miranda Project, PROJCT.com. Uh, we will be posting all of this stuff, uh, all the articles on there. We will also be posting them on our uh, Facebook and Twitter. 
uh, check us out on those social media sites as well. We are on Instagram. We started Getter and we started Parlor as well. So check us out on there. Um, and as always, we love to say if you're into politics, I mean, if you're not into politics, just remember politics is into you. Have a great one. God bless you all. Thank you.